Let us pray. We're done. And uh, my favorite line in that is, a lot of us died before you finished talking. I'm going to try and keep that to a minimum today. And uh, hey, my name's Nate. If uh, I haven't had a chance to meet you, I want to welcome you today, especially as we begin this new series on relationships. And when I saw that video, I was like, oh man, this is perfect uh, to kind of describe what our relationships are. And, and when you say, oh, relationship series, Nate, what do you mean? Is this a marriage relationship series? Is this a dating relationship? Is this kind of how I'm to be a good neighbor, you know, to be a good church? Yes. Yes is the answer on this. And uh, if you want your marriage to get better, this series is going to guide you in that way. If you want to be a better neighbor, if you want to be a better coworker, if you want to be a better boss, uh, if you want to be a better follower of Jesus and live out his ways as the church, this series is for you. We're going to look at how God has created relationships. And, and here's the problem with a lot of relationships. Two things really come to mind. You kind of saw in the video. Number one is this. Most of the time in our relationships, we lack self-awareness. We, we know how we act, but we don't know how people perceive us. And in that video, you know, everybody's like, man, can you just speed this up? You're talking way too long. And oftentimes we lack self-awareness. Everybody else sees our deficiencies except us or we're just a critic. And now in that video, that guy actually had some good solutions, but oftentimes here's what happens in our relationships. We don't understand what we're missing or all we can point out is the faults of everybody else around us. You know, my marriage would be great if my wife got her act together, you know? And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that as an excuse, all right? As an example. You're like, oh, man, let's pray for Nate and Ruthie. No, no actually, yesterday we celebrated being, yesterday was our engagement. 13 years we've been engaged. And I got to be honest, nothing has humbled me more than being married. And here was why. Because I thought the goal of marriage was marriage, you know? And God's going, no, actually, Nate, the goal of marriage is for you to grow to be more like me. That in the relationships that I have, I want to form you in the relationship of your life. The goal isn't just relationship. The goal is to move forward. Because here's what we find. God uses relationship to grow us as Christians. Oftentimes, this is the mistake that we make when we begin to become followers of Jesus is we say stuff like this. Well, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you go, yes, that is very important. But God also gave us something called the church. And then when we are followers of Jesus, what Jesus is saying is this, it's not just about you and him, it's about you and us together. And if you want to grow in your relationship, God says the only way you can actually grow is through relationships with one another. Daggone it, right? Because oftentimes it's easier just to kind of take things on our own, do our own thing and kind of go, hey, you do your own thing over there. But even Jesus pointed out when he was asked, hey, Jesus, could you summarize the entire Old Testament? 613 laws, could you boil it down to one thing? What is the, give me the cliff notes, Jesus. He says this in Mark chapter 12. Here's the greatest thing that you can do. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, make it very personal. But then he says this, and love your who? Your neighbor. As what? As yourself. He goes, this isn't just about you and God. This is actually about you and your neighbor. And it's not just about you and your neighbor. Actually, your relationships, he says this, is actually about you and yourself. Oftentimes, the problem with our relationships, we want to blame everybody around us when we've totally neglected and we're unaware of the fact that really we got a lot of issues going on with us. 
that we don't address, that begin to fester. I remember I heard this uh, leadership question uh, by a pastor, Jeff Henderson, down in Atlanta. It kind of stopped me in, the, in, my, in my tracks. I was listening, and you know, I love to listen to leadership podcasts, and he was being interviewed, and he said this. He goes, if you want to grow in your leadership, and I'm like, yeah, I want to grow. I want to be a great pastor. He goes, then ask those who report to you, what's it like to work for you? He said, say this question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And I went, next podcast, you know, like, let's move on. I don't want that feedback. I think I'm good. I think I'm doing great, right? And we don't want the feedback from other people. But man, in your marriage, what a great question to ask. What's it like to be married to me? Buckle up, all right? You know what I'm saying? Maybe don't ask that question in public. But oftentimes we fail to ask to get perspective from everybody else. I remember a time, it was about seven or eight years ago, I love being coached. I love having leadership coaches in my life. There's a guy who's been a family friend, and he's coached our staff, and I was having a one-on-one -on -one time with him growing in my leadership. And uh, he, he began to, to really, in a subtle way, said, Nate, I love your passion. I love that you love to follow Jesus. And then he spoke truth to me on this, and he said, here's the only thing. He said, Nate, you got to be aware of oftentimes people's passions actually become their weaknesses if they're not aware of it. And he said, here's what's going to happen, Nate. And this is about seven or eight years ago. He goes, your passion for Jesus, your passion for the church, it's good, it's holy. But he said, if you're not careful, your passion will come across like you're attacking people. And I said, what are you talking about, man? No, no I didn't say that. But I, I was like, what? And it hurt me. But Proverbs talks about this, that the wounds of a friend can be trusted. And what he began to say is this, Nate, if you don't recognize this and you don't see this, he literally said these words, you will cap your leadership until you start dealing and becoming aware of this issue. And see, this is the beauty of the church, and this is the beauty of the relationships, and this is how God works. This is why when we talk about connecting unconnected people to Christ, community, and calling, what we're saying is we want you to flourish in how God has created you to live. We want you to experience all that God has made. And really what we find in scriptures is this, is that our relationships actually reflect our relationship with God. If you want to know how good you're doing with God, look at how good you're doing with your relationships. Are you a person of grace? Are you a person of mercy? Are you a person of love? Are you a person of self-control? See, all of this comes from the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter five. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of that comes out of that. And so if you wanna see how good you're doing with God, see how good you're doing with people. Matter of fact, this is why in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God saw something wasn't good before sin entered the world. God is the one who created relationships. God lives in eternal relationships. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he saw something wasn't good in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And what it says is this. He said, it is not good for man to be alone. What he knows is this. Man will not flourish by yourself. Matter of fact, that's where Satan goes to attack. He wants to isolate you. Because this is what Satan knows. If I can get you alone, your thoughts will own you. You'll never grow into what God has for you. And even though you don't do anything bad, you won't flourish into what God has for you. See, this is why this relationship series is so important. And not only that, God says it's not good for man to be alone. He goes on to say this in verse 18. He says, I will make a helper suitable for him. 
Now, too many times people have read this passage and said, sweet, God made Adam a maid. This is awesome. This is not what scripture says, women. All right, I want to I clear this up. That word helper actually is a military word for reinforcements. It's a word that means this. Unless I bring this help, Adam, you're going to die, my man. And see, this is actually the same word that God uses later on in Genesis to describe himself that says, I am your helper. See, this is why relationships, men, women, this is why it's so important that we flourish together. Because when we're by ourselves, that is where we go and we lose all of what God has for us. This is why God has created us to be in community. He's created us to experience all this stuff. And this is what he's calling us to fight for. He's calling us to fight for the relationships that he has created for us. He has already sent Christ. He is the one who's already created us. He's going, I want you to experience what I've created you for. And we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4 over the next couple weeks, next four weeks as we unpack this because Paul lines out what does it look like look like to live in relationships that flourish, that has the whole experience of what God has. But here's the deal. Oftentimes when it comes to relationships, we pick on everybody else, don't we? Right? We pick on our spouse. We go, if I just had a different boss, right? If we just had a different pastor, hey, watch it. No, you know what I'm saying? Like we begin to say, oh man, it's their fault. It's their, it's this. And man, God, it's the kids you gave me. Surely it's not our fault as parents. We begin to look at everybody else, and here's what I want us to fight for, and here's what Paul says. This is where the fight begins. You ready? The fight begins with you and I actually being honest with ourselves. We want to be honest with everybody else. And Paul actually says this, if you want to experience all that I have, then you need to fight to be honest with yourself, with what's going on in your own heart and in your own life. This is what Paul says to the Ephesians because they are in a culture similar to ours. And he begins to say this, he's recapturing and calling them back to this relationship that God has created us to live in. And this is what he tells them. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. He's going, this is the way that the Lord wants you to go. He says, I insist that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, meaning the whole world. Don't live as the world, as Christians, in the futility of their thinking. He's going, don't think as the world thinks. Don't evaluate relationships as the world evaluates. He's going, don't do that as Christians. And he goes on to say this, they are darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. What Paul is saying is this, we as Christians have to be honest with the hardening of our hearts. So where today might be that you find your heart to be hard? Where is it within your relationships that you're really going, I wouldn't mind if they got fired. I wouldn't mind if they moved away. Paul goes on and he digs into this. He said, because here's why. Here's what happens when we don't deal with this. He said, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust more. He says, here's why we've got to deal with ourselves first. Instead of dealing with all the other relationships around us, he goes, you need to fight to be honest with yourself because here's what happens. If you don't realize that your heart has become dark without Jesus, 
actually you'll be separated from the life of Christ. And not only that, it leads to your heart being hard. And then here's what happens when our hearts get hard. When our heart gets hard, we no longer look for Christ to satisfy us. We begin to look for anything else. He goes, they go on to indulge in every type of impurity. And so here's what we begin to do. We know our hearts are hard, but our souls are thirsty. And we're going to go, all right, I'm going to go after anything. And we go and we consume it. And it says that they indulge in everything. And then here's what happens. Once we indulge, we go, finally, I'll, finally, I'll probably find my fix. And he says, here's what's happened when we live this way. Your fix is never enough, is it? It's just a continual lust for more. And he goes, the problem is this. We're always looking at all the problems around us. And Paul says, no, we need to start with the darkness that is in us. If we want to flourish as God has called us to flourish, if we want to grow into the church that God has called us into, we've got to realize where our heart is and to fight to be honest with ourselves and go, and have we lost sensitivity to God and just given ourselves over to sensuality? Just kind of, and this is how we say stuff like this. Well, I mean, it just feels right. Feels good to me. I mean, I'm not going to get arrested for it. Right? We have all of our excuses. And what, really what we're saying is we're just feasting and our hearts are actually dark and we don't even realize it. Now, here's the problem. A lot of times we read the Bible and we go, yeah, but Nate, we've come a long way as culture. Did, did you know what the, the, the church in Ephesus was built on or that where the Ephesus, where the church is? This was what ruled the day in there. You can even read more about it in Acts chapter 19. Uh, if you want to make a note, you can go there and read about what was going on at that time. But you know what was built on that city? Sex, money, and power. Now, I know we're not there as a country, and we have become so much more advanced, right? Sex no longer sells, right? You know, we don't chase money, and nobody's wanting control in this world, right? Yeah. Now, now, actually, this is exactly what was going on in Ephesus. If you know anything about history at that time, there was the temple to the, to the goddess Artemis. as the goddess of fertility. And this is what you would do. You would go and you would worship at the temple and you would oftentimes there'd be sexual acts that would happen to invoke the blessing of the goddess of Artemis. And what you would do is this, you would pay money. And part of this was the scam. You would pay money so that you wouldn't die giving birth. Because, and this still happens in a lot of the world today where there's not proper uh, medical help. A lot of times people die giving birth. And so you would go to the temple Artemis and you would pay money, you'd do all this other stuff so that you wouldn't die or that so you could have a kid or that you'd have fulfillment in life. And then here's what was happening. Actually, at that time, the temple of Artemis became the largest bank in the world. And they were just making money off of sex and power and commerce. And so here's what happens. Paul's saying, dude, the world is dark. And here's what happens. All the sex, money, and power, you can chase it all you want. And all, I'm, and all he's saying is this. And at the end of the day, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. You'll get the promotion. You'll get the raise. And you'll go, finally, I made it. And then you'll get it. And you go, huh. Huh. I thought it'd feel different. I thought it would erase all the things. And see, this is why Paul is calling us back into this going, hey, can you begin to be just honest with yourself? I know you want to be honest with everybody else around you, but can you be honest with yourself? Can you begin to evaluate what's going on in your heart first? And then he begins to show us what does it look like to move forward? What does it look like as we're going to be honest with ourselves? What is it that God wants to grow in us? Because here's the deal. The more we allow relationships into our life and the way of Jesus to lead, the more we'll begin to see our lives flourish into the way of God. Listen to what he says in verse 20. 
He says, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. What he's saying is this. You didn't just go get drunk and go, man, I'm drunk. Now I found Jesus. Who knew? It only took a 24-pack of beer to find Jesus. No, he's going, that isn't the way you find Jesus. You didn't come to know Christ that way. You didn't, know, you didn't come to know Christ by just following all your feelings. He says, surely you heard of him and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. You want to know what is one of our most deceitful desires going on today? Especially even in the church, I hear it. So if somebody will come up, talk to me, they go, hey, Nate, I got a few questions. And then they'll say this. Now, before I say it, I'm a good person. And I'm like, then why are we talking? If you're so good, I don't, we don't need to talk. And see, when we say that phrase, I'm not saying people haven't done anything good in the world. It's the only thing is this. We deceive ourselves when we think the good things we've done somehow erase or cancel out all the things wrong with us. Paul says, put off the old self because if you're not careful, you will be deceived by its desires. They're deceitful. And he says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I mean, there's just a few passages here, but man, they pack a punch. And I, I, we're going to unpack this a little bit. I want to invite you to pick up the sermon questions when you leave today because this is where God's saying, he's like, if you want your relationships to change, if you want to grow as a Christian, it's going to start by you being honest with yourself before the Lord. And he says, here's what Christ has for you. He goes, if you want to grow in me, it starts by this. you got to put off the old. you got to put off the old self. You can't just follow Christ and keep acting and living the way that you used to. You've got to put off the old. See, this grace comes in and it humbles our heart. Like Sam was saying earlier during communion, a lot of times you go, I'll, I'll do it. I'll take it from here. See, that's the old way. Paul says, if you want to flourish in your relationships, it starts by you and I putting off the old. Going, God, the way that I'm wired, I'm going to put off the old. and I'm going to allow your spirit to come in. Jesus even says this in John chapter 8. Listen to what he says. He said, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says, when you put off the old, the light of life comes in. And when you begin to walk with me, you won't walk in darkness. You won't experience that. Martin Luther King Jr. was right when he said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Too many times I've gotten confused with my theology with God with Star Wars theology. Quick uh, show of hands. Who already has your tickets bought for December 19th, right? Nobody. All right, I got you, right? You're, all right, a couple of you, right? You know, it's going to be the last Star Wars, and we're going to go, who's going to win? Is Kylo going to, you know, convert Rey to the dark side, or are they going to combine forces? And too many times, this is the way I think about following Jesus. Oh, it's light and dark in the world. Jesus and Satan are, are battling today. Who's going to win today? Scripture says this, that light has come into the world and the darkness has not overcome it. You need to know this, that when you put off the old ways, you have someone, this light coming into your life that has overcome the darkness. We don't need to wake up every morning going, I hope Jesus wins today. Hopefully he doesn't get knocked out. Hopefully there's not a TKO. He's going, no, 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 that, that's what the cross is all about. 
and the light has come in to your life. Man, put off the old because I want my light to come in and I want to change you from the inside out. I want to change everything about you. That's why when we say, when people get baptized, we have the shirt on there that says, I am a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And yes, do you and I face spiritual warfare? Every moment of every day, there's temptation and Satan loves to come after us, but we have a light that has overcome Darkness. This is why Paul starts by saying, you got to put off the old, man. you got to put off the old. And here's the, here's the problem. A lot of times, you and I are very familiar with the old in our life, aren't we? To the point that we aren't even aware of it anymore. I remember when I got married, uh, my wife, when she moved in, I had been a bachelor for about six months in Illinois, and my parents knew that I, I didn't have a couch, and they had this old floral couch in their sunroom, which I don't know if that was like always had to go together or whatever, you know, like old floral couches in a sunroom. And they said, do you need a couch? I said, I don't got a couch. You better believe I need a couch. And I remember putting it in my house, and for six months, we, I had these old floral couches in the living room. And then when Ruthie moved in, when we got married, uh, about a weekend, she goes, hey, I said, what do we want to do today? She goes, let's go buy some couches. And I said, no, we already got two. We're good. Let's go buy some couches. And uh, it took me a while to realize these couches are stank, man. Like these are not good couches. Here's the problem. For six months, I'm like, I'm a bachelor. This is fine. This is fine. I had no idea until there was another perspective in the house. This ain't fine. <laughs> and see, when you and I become followers of Jesus, oftentimes we go, yes, I want to accept the grace of Jesus. But when we accept the grace of Jesus, we also accept the lordship of Jesus. That we say, Jesus, we're allowing you to speak into our lives. We're, allow we're putting off the old Jesus. We're letting you speak and lead into everything. Paul goes on after he says that, that when you put off the old, he says this, we also need to be made new in the attitude of your minds. See, this isn't about just chucking the old way. This is about having your mind changed. And what he's saying is this, you got to begin to silence the critic. Too many times, especially as Christians, we feel like as long as we can criticize the culture, we're being a good Christian. Can I just let you know, that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help anybody. Paul says to be made new, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. This is, he writes this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, when he says this, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but he says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Begin to soak on scripture. Begin to focus on the person of Jesus. Focus on him more than yourself. And here he says what happens, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then he says this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will if you're confused with what you're supposed to do with your life right now, if you don't know some answers to some tough questions, what Paul says is this, it's not about how smart you are, it's about will you begin to focus more on who he is, and when that, when that begins to happen, everything begins to change. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of the world says, mm, feels good, looks good, I'm going to go. And here's what happens, we devour one another. And all we do is this. We begin to look at one another. This is the pattern of the world. We look at the world and we say this. What do you have to offer me? 
And when I'm done using you, there will be another. Paul says, change the attitude of your mind. Be made new in the attitude of your mind. I don't know if you heard about this, but uh, Kanye West has become a Christian now. Right? And I'm going, whoa, this is, oh. I don't know if you've heard his album, Jesus is King, but Follow God Can Go, man. That, that, that track can go. And I, I, I never thought I'd say this, but I can listen to Kanye West with my kids. And, uh, and you don't have to like his music. I'm not asking. But, but here's, what, here's what's happened in the Christian community. If you read blogs or anything, you know, Kanye's become a Christian. This is what I've heard. This is what I've seen a lot of people say, stuff like this. I hope it's real. I just hope it's real. What if you got baptized and instead of us cheering for you, we just went, I hope it's real. <laughs> Prove it. Like we're coming out of the baptistry like, oh, thanks, Northside. I will not be back. All right. And I'm not just giving him a pass like, oh, now he's a Christian. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. Uh, same with us. But we're going, instead of running to be a critic of Kanye, can we celebrate that God wants to change and save Kanye West? I mean, this is what God wants to do. And I guarantee you this, Kanye can reach people I can't. Lord knows you don't want me rapping. That will not testify to the Lord. Drive people away from Christianity. That's what it looks like to be transformed. That when we see God changing lives, we don't stand back and go, hope it's real. We dive in and go, that's what only our Savior can do. Kanye West started telling his story. He said, I I've struggled with sexual addiction for years. You want to know how he got sexually addicted? His dad left a Playboy out when he was five. And it opened up a world for Kanye that Paul talked about. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Dads, wake up. I got a four-year-old and a two-year-old boy and a seven-year-old girl. Parents, you are the primary pastor. We're here to partner with you. Kanye went down this road because somebody put pornography in his life when he was five. Do we understand how dark the world is? And do we understand how much Jesus wants to redeem every single person in this world? Silence the critic. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Allow God's word and his grace to begin to change you, to begin to change the way you look at the world, to begin to pray deeply for this world, to begin to go, I need to be honest. I don't need to, I don't need to criticize Kanye. I want to pray for him because I know this. I'm a broken man, and there's no way that I'm better than him. See, it starts by you being honest with yourself. A lot of times we want to be a critic because deep down we actually believe we're better than other people. I'm more spiritual than you. I'm better than you. And we're dark. Matter of fact, uh, stats are coming out about why 
of generations before us have left the church. And you know what is the commonality that's happening now is they're finding this. They've interviewed 100,000 kids now who have left the church. They're kind of this Gen Z millennial group. And you know what they've found? One of the common connections is this. I found this fascinating because it was kids who grew up at the church that left the church. And they, what they discovered was this. They only knew a brand of Jesus. They didn't know Jesus. They knew going to church. They didn't know Jesus. And so when they left the church, they really didn't even leave Jesus because they didn't really know Jesus. Paul says, be made new. Be made new in the attitudes of your mind. So the deeper question is this, do you know Jesus? Not do you know Northside. Northside can't save you. Pray for you. Love you. Can't save you. Do you know Jesus? Not the brand, the person. This is why Paul goes on to say this. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What he's saying is this. If you want to experience the way that I've created relationships, put on the new Put on the new. You put off the old and you silence this critic and you begin to allow your mind to be devoted to the Lord, to allow your thoughts to be taken to him. That's fine to have thoughts and feelings. Nothing wrong with that. But what are you doing with your thoughts and your feelings? You just keeping them to yourself? Because that won't solve it. He's going, I want you to put on the new. There's nothing like a new pair of jeans, is there? Praise God, right? You know, when you finally found a pair, you're like, oh, man, they fit. Oh, the right length. Oh, oh, you know. Oh, I finally found them, right? We feel so good. right? We, God, these are my Sunday jeans. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to wear these jeans to church. And you were so excited when we find a new pair of clothes, a new pair of jeans until we wash them. Nothing makes you want to go on a diet after you wash your favorite pair of jeans, Right? You put them on, and sometimes I'll be sitting there in the kitchen, and I'm doing this. And Ruthie goes, those just get washed. I'm like, yep, I'm not working out, man. I'm just, I'm trying to stretch these jeans out. And what was new is actually back to being old. And here's the thing about Jesus. He goes, when you put on the new self, when you put me on, I never get old. I never start taking away life. Matter of fact, did you hear this, what Paul said? He said, put on the new self, put on Christ. He says this, because you were created to be like God. Is that, what you, is that your goal? Is that what you know? That God created you to be like him? No, I'm just trying to do the best I can. That's not the goal of life. That's the goal of Ephesus. I'm just gonna devour whatever I want in life. That's not the goal of life. Your relationships will not flourish. You will not flourish with God when you go, I'm just, I'm just doing me. You were made to be created like God. This is who you are. He goes on to say this, that you were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That God sees the brokenness in you. He knows the deficiency and he goes, you put me on because that is who you were created to be in the first place. 
You put on my righteousness. You put on the grace of God. You put on the mercy of God. You put on what fills every gap in your life. That's what Kanye West is doing right now. Is he perfect? By no means. But he's putting on the new. He's putting on the new. We're putting on this true righteousness, and this says this, and holiness. This everyday living, this everyday walking of the light of Jesus in our lives. It was Jesus. I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Be honest with yourself for a moment. Is the light of life in your heart. I'm not asking you, is your life perfect? I'm asking, is the light of life your life? See, we can't flourish in our relationships and we can't experience all that God wants to do in our life until we begin to let the light of life in to the darkness. Will you be honest with yourself today? Matter of fact, Jesus' best friend John writes this in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Listen to what he says here. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie. We're not honest, and we don't live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Northside family, where do you need to be honest today? Where do you need to be honest? Have you been trying to follow Jesus? You haven't put off the old. Are you following Jesus and you know your deficiency, but all you are is a critic to everybody else? Or maybe you're trying the best you can, but you're doing it in your strength. Paul says, put on the new. Would you guys bow your heads with me for a moment? I just want to create some space right now. I know there's a lot of dynamics that go on in our life and our relationships, not just with others, but with ourselves. And so I just want you to be honest right now with your Father who has sent the light of life into this world. What do you need to put off? right now what is it you've been searching that you want to fulfill your life could be sex money power but it's just not cutting it what do you need to put off tell them Where's the critic in you? It needs to be silent. 
instead of judging everybody around you, ask your Father to begin to change your mind and your heart that you would actually be for people. And oftentimes we're critics because there's something about us that we don't like about ourselves. Would you be honest about that with your father right now? And Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would help us to put on the new life of Jesus. True righteousness and holiness. Father, would you help us to receive the gift of life? God, we struggle to receive anything because we feel like we need to earn it so we don't owe anybody. God, we can't make up that debt. And so, Father, right now, would you help us to receive your grace and your mercy? Jesus, we know that you're committed to your church. That's why you died on the cross. That's why you rose again. That's why you gave us your spirit. So this morning and in this moment and tonight and this week, Holy Spirit, we pray that we would allow you to come into our lives. that we would allow you the help that we need to put off the old and to transform our minds and to live in the life that you've given us. Jesus, thank you for making us new. May we allow you to lead in all that we are today, for our life belongs to you. Father, we love you. Thank you for caring about every detail in our life and in this world. And it's in your name that we pray. And everybody said together, Amen. Be blessed, family. We'll see you next week.